0: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Drifting Prime and I am your host, Gerald Hernandez. And tonight's guest is Rome Charpentier. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Pro 2 driver who's going to be moving to Pro next year. He did take Rookie of the the Year. And I kind of wanted him on just to discuss for anybody that's going to be going to Pro 2 soon. um, What to expect as far as he kind of goes over what he went through and what his finances were. And we're very thankful for him to share that with us. And I really hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you. Yellow, Can you hear me? I can hear you, sir.
1: Oh, that's way better. Yeah, I don't have any missed calls or anything from
0: you. Yeah, this thing's weird sometimes.
1: No, no, I mean, it it would say, like, missed call. But But I have the phone in my hand. There's no way I missed it.
0: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, because it said, like, uh, Rome isn't available.
1: I'm sitting here with no other app <laughs> open on my phone, staring at it.
0: Right, how you doing, man?
1: Very, very, very good. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. We've been. Uh, I just got back. We were setting up the voodoo track for uh, this weekend, it? right? Summer, Summer bash this weekend.
0: Mm-hmm. That looks actually super fun. Uh, I I want to go, but I think I gotta stay home and study.
1: Oh, that's okay. That's probably very important too. What are you studying for?
0: Uh, contractor's license.
1: Oh, okay. Are you doing like a one of those, like quick contractor deals where you go at night for classes and stuff?
0: Uh, no, this one's kind of like just like a home packet, and uh, oh, okay. you need a whole. You need to know the book, uh, two books, uh, like the law side of it and then the trade side of it, like front to back. Got and it. And then uh, actually, I talked to Don Boline, who made mention that he's like you should take the class too, just yeah, for t- insurance. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I took the class. It helped me out a lot. Um, I didn't go that direction. I ended up getting like a fire, uh, I can't remember, fireproofing, like certificate or uh-huh. authorization or whatever it's called, license, and masonry license, but I never went anywhere past that. Like, there's all for inspection parts.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going for my electrical license, so I can continue to work on, um, or at least be my own, con- you know, start a contracting business for fire alarms.
1: Oh, my roommate used to do fire alarm installs.
0: Yep, that's what I've been doing for since I was 15, so I may as well keep at it and try to make some decent money doing it.
1: Dude, you can get paid good if you own your own business on it.
0: That is the plan, and I'm hoping it all works out.
1: I will. Just go okay. for it.
0: I, that's, that's what we're doing right now. I got a little part, uh, I got a job that's paying the bills, and then I'm kind of dumping my money into that this off-season to hopefully uh, hit the ground running the beginning of next year.
1: Hey, uh, have you ever seen the movie The Secret?
0: I have not.
1: Watch the movie The Secret. It will radically change how you view things and how you choose to view things. I think it will (laughs) help.
0: I will will definitely take a look at that. Um,
1: Yeah, it was like the beginning of what helped shift my mindset to where we're at now. So I, I highly recommend that to anyone who wants more out of life than what they have.
0: Yeah, that's definitely what I'm doing this for, so.
1: <laughs> oh, then you'll be set. Yeah. <laughs> Sign for you, buddy. Yeah,
0: definitely. I'll de- uh, is it on Netflix? Oh, it is.
1: Yeah, it's called The Secret. I will, um,
0: I will watch that tonight.
1: Dude, watch it. You can call me anytime you want, as late as you want, uh, and I'll be up to, I, dude, I'm totally down to chat with you. <laughs> uh i did a lot of work in that field like field of transformation and work with like jack canfield and different uh-huh. people that are in there so dude it's for me it was like revolutionary i don't know why but it just like trust me after you watch it you'll be like what like what have i been missing
0: <laughs> yeah there's uh there's it i have like these own little motivational things that i've been using right now so we'll uh but that definitely add this to the list. i'm probably gonna watch it tonight um But anyway, so let's get into it, man. For uh, people who don't know you, which I assume is very little who listen to this podcast, if you could introduce yourself, uh, what you drive, and where you're driving at.
1: All right, so my name is Rome Charpentier. I drive a BMW M3 E36. Uh, I tell people it's a 99, but it's actually a 92. (laughs) And yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much what it is. We currently drive in Formula Drift Pro 2. Well, that's over. So, yeah, now we're going to Formula Drift Pro One next year.
0: Awesome. And then, just to kind of get into like a maybe a, a brief background of your drifting history. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. Go so ahead. this is kind of my third year driving. Like actually driving, drifting. I mean, I've been driving since I was sixteen. But first year actually competitively drifting and chasing that goal and dream. Uh, I came from an '86 Toyota Corolla, which if anyone has ever drove one of those. They're a little rough to drive, they're hard to handle, they don't make much power, and they show your mistakes immediately. So I think it was a good <laughs> chassis for me to start on, because it made it very difficult for me to drive and keep up with other drivers. Uh, but then from there, I went to a stock BMW, which was okay. It didn't really run right, I had a lot of problems trying to get it just to work, because I bought it for $500. So yeah, not yeah, what very what to
0: for. <laughs>
1: exactly, very low expectations on it. It had no someone cut the roof off or pieces of the roof off there's no windows in it like it was beat on pretty well um and that's yeah that's the same chassis i have now and i saw some other people like daryl priono and like rj and these guys driving pro-am and was like dude like that's what i want to do like i just want to be good enough to connect the track at adams and be like a pro-am driver and then i saw who else was there There there's a couple other people that are killing it so that really like kind of lit the fire to go after it, and I remember the first pro am event I drove was was it the end of '16, and I show up and I remember seeing uh, like Adam Nappik, and Jason Kim, and uh, uh, and Sean Adriano, and they were like they were like no lift, flat foot transitioning through the middle yeah. at round four at uh, top drift. Like, up against the wall, like, transition down past the cone, back up against the wall without lifting. Yeah, then they was had the that most... old layout. Dude, and that was the most gangster thing I've ever seen. Like, it was scary. It was fast. It was super cool. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, you know, I just really wanted to drive with them and drive to that that level. Obviously, I didn't qualify that round at all couldn't even put the couldn't even connect the track but i remember adam getting his pro license and was like man I, I, I wish i could do that like i want to drive like this guy so it was i was very easily inspired at the very beginning very 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 quickly for for driving and drifting and all that so that's kind of where my background was so i guess my first official top drift event was the last season or last battle of 2016 um, I did not come prepared. I drove the car to the track. I was just we about overhe- to bring
0: that up. I remember seeing that on Daryl's story on Instagram.
1: <laughs> yeah, we overheated in traffic. and so On the 210, right? Bottle. On the 210, man, sitting in traffic because I guess it was like Vegas weekend for everyone. So we're like sitting there with the pumper, and Daryl's in front of us and he jumps out and they spray the front of the car down to try and get it down, like to drop the temperature down. Then we get in and move a little bit more. Then we ran out of both pumpers. So we emptied the ice bucket and cooler into the pumpers. Then we ran out of those pumpers. And then we pulled the hood off and strapped the hood to the like the back of the truck. And it was still getting hot. But we drove it the rest of the way and just kind of hoped for the best. And I, just, I remember it was just hot. And I was kind of scared because it was brand new swapped LS. I and I was hitting like 255 degrees.
0: Dude, uh, yeah, I, I've gotten mine pretty hot. And mine's an aluminum block, so who knows?
1: Oh, you have the real LS. Mine was fake. Mine was a $400 junkyard motor. Dude, and man, those I, things are
0: stronger, though. I bet it wouldn't have broke.
1: Dude, Schaefer still has it in his car.
0: I know. I know. It's the same That's nuts. motor. <laughs> That's nuts. And, and actually, he
1: beats on it, too.
0: No, he beats the hell out of that thing. Yeah, Dude, he's, uh,
1: he's a phenomenal driver, man. Definitely. I love watching Schaefer drive. I know.
0: Bummer. He... he, he fucking crashed he, he, he would have got a license, license for yeah sure. for sure like, and for sure was, second yeah. place at least or you know well at least definitely his license but he was on fire this year and he had so much seat time between Oops. last year and this year it was crazy
1: okay so hey man you want to know the secret like here's my honest absolute secret and i don't even know if denofa even remembers this but at sema in 20 I think 17, yeah, 2017. I was like, hey, man, like, how do I go pro? And he di- he probably still has no idea he even talked to me. I, I mean, I didn't, I was, I think I was wearing someone else's badge, actually. I don't even know who I was then. <laughs> and uh, I asked him, like, hey, man, like, how do I go pro? He's like, uh, you know, you gotta put some time in, drive a lot, this and that. I'm like, no, 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 like, no BS. Like, dude, what do I gotta do? And he's like, honestly, man, it's just seat time. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, my goal is to drive 50 days this year. That's what DeNofa said. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I like turned away and was like, hmm, I'm an overachiever. Let's do 70.
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, last year, yeah, last year when I got my Pro 2 license, I drove like 73 days. Um, I bought a $1,000 like drift missile and drove anything I could afford to drive, any event that would let me in, every event that would let me in, parking lot, like anything I could do that wasn't illegal that I could drift, that's what I would do. Yeah. And I think that's really what got me confident, like, in driving and confident in general to where I was able to, you know, go out there and do pretty well in pro-am both, both seasons.
0: Yeah, because you almost got your license in 2017, correct?
1: Yeah, that was mean- my first year. Almost got it. Uh, it was funny because Jason Kim, who's I still look up to, Jason's awesome. Uh, we I've always loved driving with him. And he only showed up to the final round because he loves that concrete oval. And yeah. he shows up to the final round, and we ended up getting paired. I got paired up with Luke Pakula, who's an awesome driver. He's the first one I've ever seen with an LS and a dog box at, uh, I think it was like, uh, no, I don't even know what, a toy toy drive. And the first battle I had to battle was against him. And I'm like, man, this guy's like, a, like an ex-pro. Like, this guy's going to kill me. And I... I did pretty well. We went one more time, and I ended up edging him out. So I beat him. I was like, "Yes, yes, we're doing it. We're gonna make this happen." And went to the next one. I was like, "Then I got paired with Jason." I'm like, "Come on, man! Like he's known as like the perfect driver. Like come on, Jason." So then I battled Jason, and uh, we went one more time with Jason. And then I had like a weird fire issue, where my third brake light was like trying to catch on fire for some reason. Oh wow. Uh, so my mind, I don't want to give an excuse, but my mind wasn't fully there. But Jason flat out beat me the second time. And, uh, yeah, I lost my license or didn't get my license by two points. Like, seriously, two points at the end of the year. Uh, but with that being said, I did not qualify Horse Thief at all. So Horse Thief was very I remember
0: that. Okay. All yeah, right. I, I, was there. I, I didn't.
1: I didn't even qual- – I, I straight scored two zeros. and was like, oh, that's some double zeros. That's that's painful. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then didn't get my license. So I was like, I need to push harder. The drivers are coming out better. Uh, like I just need to do everything I possibly can to, to make it there and really shift my mindset into, you know, I'm no longer a, a pro-am driver. I need to switch my mindset to a pro-two driver. Like how would a pro-two driver show up to this? And what I realized, the biggest change I made – um situational or like you know car related was going from 2017 to 2018 i chose to run the same tires same size every round consistently no matter what Mm -hmm. and i think that confidence in the tire knowing exactly what the car is going to do the very first time i throw it in that was a huge game changer for me in being able to learn the track faster mm-hmm. and in or and being able to like kind of predict any kind of problems that were going to go on. Because the year before that, 17, even uh, when we went to LS Fest, every single set of tires I had was a different brand and different size. Oh, wow. So, so it was just scrubs like any scrubs I could get. Uh, my buddy was selling me scrubs mounted 20 bucks. Okay. So I was like, bro, let me get whatever I could. And I'd show up with 30 scrubs and they're all random tires. And, and I mean like super random, they'd be a, like a Michelin pilot. Then it'd be like a May run. Then it would be uh like a Zestino. So I never had any idea what tire pressure to run. I was just straight winging it. And that was not a very professional approach on, you know, drifting.
0: And it you ended right up bad. winning that event.
1: Uh, yeah. So we drove the car all the way to Vegas in scorching hot weather. And I think it was, yeah, it was the first drift event my wife had been at. Cause we had just met at that time, I think. No, maybe second or third one. And yeah, we drove out to Vegas and then, uh, yeah, ripped the whole weekend. Somehow I've never really qualified before that. So that kind of jumped me too. So 17, I never qualified in anything. Mm-hmm. And the only thing we changed on the car was we went to Feel Coilovers, and okay. I don't know what the deal is, but while I was running another company. I ran, I went on to Feel Coils. I remember this because Tony Cisneros and um, George Collada talked me into them, and they're like, "Oh, it's a lifesaver! Like you got to do it." Hmm. So we changed to the Feel Coils, and yeah, went out there, qualified second, and then ended up winning the event. And we won the event against two drivers that got their Pro 2 license that same year, and I wasn't even able to qualify. So it was a pretty cool situation. I felt really good about being able to drive and win, Um, but I realized that I had to – my downfall was consistency at that time. So I spent the whole 2018 focusing on consistency and running the same tires over over and over and over and over and over again so I could take any kind of question out of my tires. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I know the tires work, let's leave that out. Oh, the suspension works, let's leave that out. And I pretty much don't mess with anything that works just because I like the predictability of it.
0: Yeah, I can definitely understand that, and it's brought you uh, a great success.
1: Dude, I I feel very, very humbled to be where I'm at. Like, It's it's still weird because I have people come up like, hey, will you sign this? And I'm absolutely delighted to sign stuff. I love signing things, but it's just such a weird feeling because I'm like, it's like, this it's, is weird i
0: could see how that would be uh kind of like mind-blowing to a certain extent
1: well, i'm still a fan i think i'm a bigger fan yeah. than i'm a driver so it's like i show up i'm like bro that's like andy Hatley or oh that's you know whoever it might be at the track and i'm like oh oh that's Essa, like that's so dope
0: yeah exactly and then
1: i'm like on grid with them or like Josh Robinson I remember him coming in from Australia and it was the coolest thing to be able to work on the Ute and be around him and I like looked up to this guy I mean I still do but like hardcore looked up to him and he was dope and like my very first battle in Pro2 was against him
0: Yeah
1: I'm like oh th- this is this is going to be fun
0: <laughs> And and uh you you beat him
1: Yeah we we beat that battle then we ran against I think Denati. then we beat then we won that battle then we ran against uh, I don't know who the next one was. We ran against some pretty good, I mean, they're all excellent drivers, but we ended up winning. And then we went to go run against Trent at the end, which I have drove against, like, with Trent all the time. We always mess around in the missile cars. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I show up to the line, and my dash is just, I have the, the holly dash and the holly setup. Mm-hmm. And, dude, the Holly dash is, like, splashing bright red, like, danger, danger. Like, do not send danger. And I, like, clear it and look down, and I guess I lost an alternator cable um, or melted a cable or something. I didn't know what happened at that time. And I looked down. I'm at, like, 10.4 volts at the line. And, I mean, I know the ECU shuts off at, like, 8.5 or 9. Uh And I think injector stopped working at around 10. So I was pretty scared leaving the line headed towards a wall at 10.3 volts with no alternator.
0: Yeah, and the possibility of your injector shutting off first.
1: Yeah, and go, going up into the wall. Yeah. I had just watched two other drivers go up into the wall and they totaled their car, so I was kind of a little scared. And yeah, threw it in, but I threw it in shallow. Just honestly, man, I was scared. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to total the car. Uh, we already got a trophy. We're doing good, and I have Atlanta in three weeks. Let's not send it up into the wall. Yeah. So I ran shallow, and I mean, I, I lost, clearly lost to Trent. He's, he, dude, he killed it so
0: yeah he's he's uh i think the my first time i ever went to like a prom event was round four of just drift in 2015 when he won the championship and i remember wow that was i didn't drive then um that's when i was still just kind of like quietly spectating uh with obvious, Uh obvious plans to drive uh and I saw that, so I was like, oh, shit, cool. So I've, he's someone I've kind of like looked up to as a driver since, since I saw him like, win that. And then he went against um, Chair Slayer. I can't, I'm terrible with names. I can't remember his real name right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then so that's when I started watching. And then you and my first drift event, the first time I ever went drifting, you were actually there. Um, it was a drift access event
1: oh yeah with uh who, with, who i think it was spike who, that ran him yeah spike was running drift access yeah that's right
0: and then uh it was like and then they made a flyer and you were on the flyer for the next one and they put my son's picture on that flyer too
1: oh that's super awesome i remember that flyer. i think i have that flyer yeah
0: before. i'm gonna post it for this for this episode so <laughs> hey
1: guess what josh robinson wants to facetime me right now <laughs> 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 that's funny he just hit me up it says josh robinson Ute.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know you exactly. always have to have their car.
1: Exactly, and ute is pretty obvious. Like, uh, There's, there's no, else
0: to be you calling? don't know anybody else with a ute.
1: No one's going to be hitting me up asking me about a ute.
0: For yeah, sure. exactly.
1: So I remember his ute, man. Dude, it made like, I don't know, 1,014 on the dyno with a big Magnuson blower, and it was, it's just a monster. I love that car.
0: I know I remember when he brought it to uh, the Drift League last year at round four, and that thing. Oh yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, that
0: thing was the loudest car there, and I was like, "Damn, that thing's fucking crazy."
1: Oh, it is. It is full send all the time. It's I think it makes full boost at like twenty five hundred RPMs or something. Makes Holy shit! Nine hundred foot pound, nine hundred eighty foot pounds of torque at like twenty eight or twenty five hundred.
0: That thing's gnarly, and then to still be running on that two fifty five
1: dude that is uh you gotta give him credit man he puts in work to make that car to make that big truck uh go around the track on 255 yeah and like
0: 114 inch wheelbase i i i uh i did some like research on that chassis just because Mm -hmm. mine was a one inch shorter wheelbase Uh i was like this guy makes his turns pretty snappy i'm pretty sure this car will work
1: Oh, the car will definitely work. It's all about the ratio between track width to track length. Um, that's pretty much – there's like golden numbers that you have to be inside. And as long as the car is inside those numbers, it will work. So even though like Osmo's car, it looks short. It's still like 106, I think, or 103. But it's all about the golden ratio between w- track width and uh, track length. So – that's that's the number that you got to look for so it doesn't matter if it's 200 inches long as long as you can get it wide enough to make the thing work ah good to know yep there's a ratio that you need or must have in order for the car to transition correctly
0: okay that i can see how that makes sense actually i'm gonna dig some more into that now uh a little later um so uh the main reason i actually wanted to get you on here uh not to only talk about your pro-am but to talk about okay. pro 2 for the drivers that are going that way right now and um like what to expect as far as like you know finances especially from a lot of the guys are coming from like california at least the ones i know of i don't you know yeah sorry i don't know anybody in wisconsin um Just... so uh i know there's quite a few coming from california and you know making that trip all the way to Florida parking your truck somewhere for two weeks and leave and then doing Atlanta. Like, you know, what kind of cost does that come with? Like not even necessarily your cost, but like a general idea of like, Hey, this is how much I spend on gas. And this is how much, if you do a hotel or you sleep in your truck, I don't know what people are going to do.
1: So, I mean, I can give you the full breakdown. I'm totally open to it. Uh, and, and that's just, I mean, I would love to support anyone who wants to go. I think if you're go, if you're driving in pro am, I would focus on looking ahead to the future I think mindset's very, very big. So if you're like, oh, I'm a pro-am driver, you're probably going to stay a pro-am driver. So think of what the next step is and kind of build for that.
0: I, I agree uh, with that.
1: That's for why this me, business is getting started. Yeah, awesome. Well, any way I can do to help, man, I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, I, I think for me, something that would – like I have some good catalysts that supported me going throughout it. Um, I got to travel a lot with Jeff and Jeff definitely knows how to make money last and stretch and, and, and put programs together that are very well put together and make all the events. Yeah. So that was helpful. I've seen other teams run too that have very large budgets. Um, I can give you kind of an idea. The lower end teams are, I don't know, probably 20,000, 30,000 And the higher end teams are two, eh, probably two, or three mil. So the gap is very, very wide where you're spending money and how to spend it and how they fly and all the, you know, all the bells and whistles. Like if you're an outside team, like let's say like running like Josh's team or something, it's going to be significantly more money because you're flying everyone in, flying everyone back out, every event. You're dealing with visas, you're dealing with travel, you're dealing with all of it. So that's way more like that is a lot more expensive than us being here in the U.S., so we have a huge benefit from being here. Correct. because I was told around from a foreigner coming in to run around, you're between 20 and 30,000 around. Um, just to give you a heads up. But for us, uh, I can give you my experience, because that's the only one I have you know the direct relationships to. So my year, uh, I was ended last year with the motor Tranny car setup that I wanted to run in Pro 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not recommend building a new car oh by any means, I've never seen anyone yet make it work
0: okay, just uh, just to not to cut you off, but yeah there's something there's a video out there where Chelsea Dinofa talks about that, and he talks oh. about you should just be in a seat getting seat time as much as possible, and when you go to pro two build a pro two car and I think it's it's a video with Aaron Losi. I know that um okay, you are a perfect example of how you slowly building your car into what it is today because i remember when you got your license it was still the the little 5.3 v8 you know na there was nothing done to it you still i i think you had the dog box already like i remember you throughout the season you got the dog box probably the season prior and then you got the uh, quick change and then you upgraded the engine i remember that and i think you're a perfect example of like um building the car up as you go as you're ready for it
1: Yeah, and I think it gave me a head jump in a lot of areas because what happens, how I build the cars and how I recommend anyone to build the cars is uh, I have them do, I mean like besides they weld the diff and the simple stuff to make the car work, but I'll have them do like suspension first. After you're done and you max out all that and you're all good to go in suspension, then you start doing like safety or whatever else, but do it all in steps. And the reason is, is so that you know what does what. But if you build a full-blown drift car with all new suspension, all new drivetrain, all new cooling, all new uh, like all new everything, the car is so foreign to you that you don't know if this is right or wrong. And even if you do, you don't know what the hell to adjust to make it right.
0: Yep, so that's the same I, note I'm in now.
1: Yeah, I apologize. Um, <laughs> no,
0: no, 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 no. It's it's uh, it's all about the process, so it, I'm it okay is. with it.
1: So try and make it as simple as possible. Um, I also realized right off the bat, like, hey, I'm probably not going to be the only one, the only person working on this car. Make it as easy as humanly possible for anyone to grab any tool and work on it. So, like, if you look under my car, my car has the socket size and the torque spec written on the side of every bolt or on the side of every coupler or flange or whatever else is down there. hmm So you're never like, Oh, how many foot pounds is the drive shaft or, Oh, how many foot pounds is a lower lollipop? You just look over and like, Oh, lollipop, 44 foot pounds, 17. Okay. So you just run to the trailer, grab a 17, you know, it's 44 foot pounds and everything is paint marked. So as long as you put the paint mark back on the paint mark, you already have 44 foot pounds. So we try and make it very easy to be replaceable. Um, as far as slowly going up in the car, is I basically would drive it till I maxed out. Like I built my own angle kit at the beginning and I drove it till I maxed that out. And then I was like, okay, do I want to build a better angle kit or should I run something that's already productive? Or like, you know, on production. And my thoughts were like, okay, I can build the angle kit and save a ton of money. But if I break, no one is ever going to have these parts. So the fact that I'm not going to be at home, I'm going to be far away, probably don't have a lot of time to be jigging stuff up and making things i might as well just buy a kit so i looked through all the kits wise fab made the most sense because wise fab uses all the same heims and shanks and adjusters and inners and outers and tie rods and all that on all of their products so if i blow out a uh a heim i can just ask any s chassis guy like hey man let me get a lower heim they're like okay here it's all the same parts so i try to be very strategic about what i put on the car to make it very easy to be replaceable um and yeah i just ran stock i ran a ka radiator in the front of my bmw because everyone has kas or i mean not KAs, but everyone has uh 240s so finding a 240 ka radiator is simple at the track yeah so i was just trying to make it very very simple and i just went up step by step by step plus that's all the money i had to like that's all i could afford i couldn't afford multiple like five thousand dollar a year purchases so you're right like i was running stock motor and everything then the first thing i did was the ls and then later on down the line i sold two t56s to get one dog box and then i bought two a second dog box as a backup and then i sold both dog boxes for a top shift box and then that's where i'm at now and then uh, I just, you know, I just slowly built the car. But I knew, like, if something was wrong, I know what it was that caused the problem. Yeah. So it was easier to figure it out and easier to, you know, make sense of what's going on. And honestly, I, I don't think you need a lot of power in Pro-Am. Um, it, it's, I, I know right when you're, like, making the jump from Pro-Am to Pro-2, it makes sense to have that, that bigger power. But eight 900 horsepower in Pro-Am... And then you go to Pro 2 and you're stuck on 255s. It's kind of very counterproductive.
0: Yeah. And then uh, right now, I guess the talk is just the rumors that Pro-Am is going to have their own rulebook now from FD. Or at least supposedly. It's not. Nothing's set in stone, obviously, until we know for sure. Uh, But that's just kind of the rumor that there's going to be regulations for Pro-Am. And everyone has to be like on a similar tire or something like that. Uh, And obviously certain safety specs.
1: I think that would help. I think it'd make the bridge, like bridge the gap, a lot closer. Um, I know I drove both series, so I drove Top Drift and Drift League. Uh, I learned very much from both. Taka over at Top Drift was very, very technical, very cone hunting, like online. Basically, if you're offline, he doesn't care how much style you have. It doesn't. It's doesn't mean anything. And then, to, and then Drift League was more. Like geared towards style, even if you're offline a little bit, it's okay. It was more style-driven and speed-driven. So by the time I got to Pro 2, it was very helpful because I had the high-speed entries of Irwindale, which was – I think we were doing like 90. So yeah. nothing too, too fast, but way faster than – I think the fastest entry at Willow I have was, I don't know, 48. So like almost double entry speed. I mean I'd never seen fourth gear before, before I got to Irwindale. Yeah. Yeah. So, doing those high speed entries at a wall was very helpful going into uh, pro two because the very first round is, you know, not real fast, but decently fast. I think we're like seventy miles an hour entry speed at a wall. yeah uh, on a, on a bank turn. so it's it's good to drive a lot of tracks and get very, very comfortable, but that's where it comes back into seat time and not changing the car. Like I do not recommend people jumping chassis in between pro am and pro-2 i think going from pro-am to pro-2 is already a big enough jump mm-hmm. and then going from pro-am to pro-2 with a new chassis uh that you're trying to work out bugs it's an- another huge headache and you sh- better have at least another two or three guys to be able to make that work uh and-, and not just you know bash your head against the wall by the end of the day
0: yeah i can i've seen it i think you know, everyone's like, let's build a pro car or whatever it is. And I'm like, well, good
1: luck. I, I think it'd it, be, if you are going to build a pro car, at least compete one year in pro-am in the pro car. So you can figure out what it does under pressure, what it doesn't do under pressure. Cause dude, when you drive all the way to Orlando and I think we only got like four laps, uh, before we had to qualify, maybe five laps, I think cause it crashes, I think four laps before you have to qualify uh four laps on a brand new track is already rough enough but four laps on a brand new car on a brand new track i don't recommend it
0: yeah that just sounds like a recipe for disaster it really does
1: yeah and then people talk bad about pro 2 but it wasn't pro 2's fault like you know what i mean it was like hey uh you probably shouldn't have showed up with a car that wasn't completed yet
0: yeah a lot of people go in with that dream and like that whole i'm gonna be the underdog this year
1: it, it's cool to be the underdog. It is.
0: It, it's, it's, the underdog story will never die.
1: It, it won't. But I mean, like, how long do you want to play that fiddle for?
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing. And I, and I think the longer I've been into it, the more I've noticed that that's probably like the worst decision to make.
1: I uh, mean, unless you got a lot of money and you don't care, then
0: YOLO. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter at that point.
0: Yeah, it's 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 rough i've seen it and it kind of sucks because then you see people leave the sport like i've seen people since i've been into it since 2015 go into pro-am go to pro 2 not be successful and then that's it you don't hear from them anymore
1: and the the crazy thing is is you see that with people that are phenomenal drivers drivers.
0: that's
1: like uh this year a good example dude. it was uh tim cobb dude Tim is someone I've looked up to from the the beginning of driving. Tim is a phenomenal, phenomenal driver. But yet he showed up this year with a brand new car. And he fought that car every single round, had major, major problems. And, I mean, his, his results did not reflect his driving, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I've seen him drive too. So he's also really fucking good. He got his license in 2017, right?
1: Yeah, dude, he's a beast. He killed everything. Like, he's, he is a phenomenal driver, man. And I think if he had a car that worked um, even half the time, I think he'd just destroy it. But when – I mean, dude, I, I don't even know if anyone knows this, but I think the last two passes for qualifying that he made, he made with no power steering.
0: Like, yeah, see, that's
1: That's, that's ballsy and insane. Oh, it just – Dude, I mean, and he almost, almost qualified. Like, he was so, I think he was, got bumped out to, like, 17th or something. Oh. But, I mean, dude, with no power steering, he's still killing it. That says a lot about a driver. He's very, very talented. Yeah,
0: I definitely agree with that. Um, I have seen him drive, and I know, I remember, I he and I had spoke once after the first round of Top Drift of 2018 and i had asked him like hey are you going to fd this year he's like no i'm gonna build a new car and i was like oh what for he's like oh because my cage has one extra bend in it that i cannot use that Mm -hmm. makes it fd illegal and i was like oh okay yeah when you're in
1: that scenario you're kind of stuck it's either like cut the car apart which you don't really want to cut apart a perfectly good car yeah or just build another one so, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, there's always reasons why people do things that they want to do. Um, it, it totally, totally makes sense. Oh, I think I avoided your question, though, in a really good roundabout way. Um, you were asking about cost.
0: Oh, right? yeah. I was, I was going to bring it back to that right now. So I'm glad you did.
1: Oh. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't mean to avoid it, but uh, we're, we're back at it. So I think we did the math on it. Um, I believe we spent more money in Pro Am than we did in Pro Two this year.
0: Okay, but that's also to mention that you ran two series in Pro Am.
1: Yes, I ran okay. Top Drift and Drift League. Okay, but then
0: um, those are what? About fifteen hundred dollar entry fees for both. For is it season? I think
1: they're probably what is it? Yeah, probably fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. 50, about fifteen,
0: sixteen hundred for both. Okay. And then, you know, that's that's, and everything is right down the street comparatively exactly. to Florida.
1: Exactly. So, but like I said, I spent more money in running those two seasons in one year than I did in pro two this year.
0: Okay. And then does that have a lot to do with tires? I remember you went through like a lot of tires. 1,000%
1: has to okay. do with tires. Okay. So I was going through in top drift, we got two days of practicing. So on an average weekend, I go through about 30 tires. Okay. So let's say you're getting them for, I don't know, hundred bucks a pop. You're $3,000 in tires for top drift. Yep. Uh, drift, you got go through less tires because we have less seat time, but I still do about 24 tires a weekend. Okay. So we're like 2,400 bucks. So just in tires, I mean, if you're running like eight to 10 events, you're probably 25 to 30 grand just in tires for the year Mm-hmm. in pro-am. Uh, Now, I'm not saying you can't do it cheaper. You can definitely do it way cheaper. But I realized that if I spent the money in the tires, that would give me the consistency I needed to be able to win. And I think at the end of the day, that was a deciding factor. Um, I mean, based on the tires I was running and like this year, once again, Tony, I think Tony won by like 100 points. And he was running the same tires I was. So it's there's something about consistency in tires that definitely help out um throughout the year but anyway so that that's how kind of how i look at it because that's what makes a large deciding factor on cars and how they handle and how they work Mm -hmm. Uh, um they can even mask problems like good tires can mask problems so (laughs) there's a trick if you are battling some problems run some really good tires you might be able to get away with it
0: yeah so i've heard um taylor hole was telling me the same thing because i hit him up
1: (laughs) yeah I I talked to him this, uh, last weekend when I was there and it's, he's not lying. Like if you run a, like you can run a good car on bad tires or a terrible car on okay tires and the terrible car on okay tires will do better than the good car on bad tires. Yeah. So, and and I learned that from running different tires and it like running a solid, good tire just totally woke my car up. Like do the cars on fire. Uh, but anyways, so I think with tires this year, between tires, fuel, flights, and now I got to keep in mind, I bought everything at the beginning of the year, like February, because I knew that I was committed to the whole year and I was going to drive FD. Um, we did buy a couple of flights and a couple things that changed throughout the year. Like we had to update uh, an Airbnb and a couple things like that. Okay. But honestly, it wasn't bad. Like our Airbnb for this round uh, was like 330 bucks for five days.
0: And how many people?
1: Uh, that was – how many people do we have this round? Seven? I think – yeah, so uh, that's like seven people. It's me, my father because my father likes to come out, uh, my wife Nancy, and then I have my crew chief, uh, which is Nikki Priono. Daryl Priono, my spotter, which is Daryl, who we all drive with.
0: He's been on the show.
1: And, uh, oh, okay, perfect. And uh, Carson Ruger, who's, uh, he helps pits, tires. He basically does everything else. Um, and so them. And then I have, uh, I had Wisdom Media, which is uh, Dave. And, yeah, I think that was the whole group. So what is was that, seven?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for seven people, it was like 330 bucks.
0: That's not bad
1: it's cheaper than the hotel at willow like uh, a two-night hotel at willow was more expensive than that
0: yeah i've i've uh the one down the street from willow the the one right in Rosemont, that blue hotel with the it's like yeah it, 100 bucks a night
1: yeah it's like a well i think it was like a 100 well it's a 100 bucks a night but it only sleeps four people so if you have yeah. to get two rooms you're talking four hundred dollars for 2 nights versus like 350 for 5 nights in a whole house. Yep. So, I saved a lot of money doing it that way. Um also what I did was um I would drive my I'd figure out where it had the cheapest flights. So for me Orlando did. So I drove my truck and trailer to Orlando. It was about 50 hours and how we calculated that thanks to Jeff. Uh, Mr. Jeff Jones told me how to calculate miles and and time and and fuel and all that, which is very simple. Uh, Basically figure out how many miles you're going. So let's say you're going, I don't know, 1,000 miles. Uh, Just double that in time, and that's how long it's going to take you. So plan for 20 hours to go 1,000 miles. And it seems to be with stops and stuff like that, it seems to be right about perfect timing. Okay. And uh, we do about 350 miles to a tank, and then we fill up. In California we get screwed on fuel, but as soon as you leave California, like I think I was getting fuel for like 2.09 or 2.39 after I left California for diesel, and here I pay 4.20 for diesel.
0: Yeah, it's so, ridiculous.
1: So, uh, I can go 350 miles on like 80 bucks outside of California. So realistically we did not spend a whole lot of money on fuel. If you got to fill up 3 times, you're spending 8 8 16 another 8. Let's say let's say you're spending like I don't know, $300 on fuel. Okay. 3 to $500 on fuel each way, which isn't really that bad.
0: It's not. It doesn't now that you say that it's that's not bad at all.
1: Yeah. It's not. I mean, if you're if you're driving something big, I know like Trent, uh, he carries two cars in his in the toter, and I think the toter only gets like six miles a gallon. Oh, so that. that's killing him. But if you're driving something like a truck and trailer, like I am, I just have a seven three turbo diesel, uh, dually F three fifty, and mm. a normal rig. I think mine's only like a twenty eight foot box trailer, and I get between ten and uh, probably between ten and twelve. If I'm driving like 60, which I recommend because I learned that if you drive 70 miles an hour or faster, you blow tires. So once I drove and set cruise control like 60, 62, uh, we never ate another tire the entire season.
0: Oh, so okay. Good to know.
1: There, there's something handy for people. Keep your tires tire temperature down on your trailer. It'll definitely, definitely, definitely help. Um, so yeah, cruise 60, you get better fuel mileage if you stay under 2,000 RPMs. And yeah, you can pick up a couple miles a gallon that way. But anyways, so I drive out there, drove all the way out to Orlando. We found out that flights were cheaper out of Orlando. So I drove to Orlando, asked all the guys, hey, man, where do you guys leave your truck and trailer? They all said Christmas storage, which is not Christmas like the holiday, but Christmas the city, which is four miles from the racetrack. Oh, okay. We drop it off four miles from the racetrack, leave it there with uh, a lot of the other guys that leave their trucks and trailers there. We jump on the plane, fly home, fly back to there, then drive from there to Atlanta, which is only about six and a half hours, and you're in Atlanta. And you've covered a uh, flight there and back for like two or three people, and if you book early, I think round trip, we were looking like 140 a ticket, 180 a ticket.
0: Okay, that's not bad at all. And how much was the storage fee, if you remember?
1: Uh, 100 bucks for the month.
0: That's not... F- Dude, that's not bad at all, and that's with a big ass truck and trailer. Like, you don't have a tiny.
1: No, we, truck. we have a decent sized rig. Yeah. but I mean, yeah, hundred bucks for the for the the month.
0: Okay, that's dude. That's
1: if you makes, do it right, you can definitely make this happen. Like, yeah, I, I, it's it's not that much more. I and this isn't my, including
0: the price of the car. Like, we're leaving that out of the equation, correct?
1: Okay, well, I can put that. No, I'll put that. We'll put the car in the equation, right? So. The total build on the car, we did all the math on everything. We're about forty grand in the car total. Okay, that's everything. That's dog box, motor, quick change, supercharger, and that's safety you equipment.
0: doing your own work to put on. That's
1: me doing. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't build the motor. Millennium Motorsports built the motor for us. Yeah, but um, you know
0: what I mean. You're, you know, you did all your own fab from as far as uh, I know. Actually,
1: I bought, I paid for the cage in my car because I didn't even know how to weld when I bought when I had huh. my car. So. Yeah, I mean I, we do all the cages now and we build cars all the time. But, yeah, when I got my car caged, I didn't even know how to weld. So I paid someone to weld and build me a cage for it. And But, yeah, I mean most of the stuff I did my own work, which if you buy stuff, like buy WiseFab and buy kits that are already completed, there's not a whole lot of work to really be done. I mean if you can bolt it on, you can send it. Yeah. So it, it's becoming easier and easier for people to do it. Uh, you could probably get away with, like, $5,000 total in fab work. Like, that's cage. That's all custom, whatever else you need. Bash bars, tubed rear end, tube front end. Like, you could probably do all of it for under five grand, and be rock and rolling, solid, ready to go. And then the rest of it, so I probably have 35000 in parts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah, it's uh, that's about what my car costs total because we did the math on it. And then... Um, oh, back to the whole year. I think we did the total math on the whole year minus the car, but we only broke this year a inner tie rod on the passenger side when me and AJ came together, okay. or me and Trent. I can't remember which one, but uh, it was bent that whole event in St. Louis. So an inner tie rod on the driver's side, and we had uh, – I think I put new brake pads on the front from, from AutoZone, the cheapest ones I could find, oh. so they'd bite hard because it was cold. Yeah. And, oh, and then uh, at the end when we hit the wall in Texas, we replaced a YFAB arm, a lower YFAB shank, and the radiator and everything went right back in. Like All the HPS hoses I had, they just they just like pulled out. They didn't even tear. We nice. just put it all back together. The radiator was like nothing. We just put it all back together. Uh, Sean found a small pinhole leak at the bottom, uh, that I think we actually did when we were trying to install it. So Sean helped like JB it and torch it and put it back together. And that was pretty much the only things we fixed or changed on the car the entire year. We never touched the motor, never touched the drivetrain. Uh, yeah. So an inner ball, an inner tie rod from contact and a left control arm and shank from uh, a wall. It was basically all we replaced on the entire car in the entire year.
0: That's not bad. And what did you guys get a total for the whole year?
1: Oh yeah, we're uh I, I'm probably missing some numbers here and there, but like with practice and everything to to run the season, we're probably about fifteen grand.
0: That's not bad, man. I I was
1: it's it's insanely less than everyone told me it was gonna be. Everyone said it would be like eighty grand plus.
0: And then that's um, and that's fifteen grand for someone who's, you know, outside of rain and the tire wall had a pretty successful season, especially coming you took rookie of the year?
1: Yep, we took rookie okay. of the year. That's... If I didn't eat the tire wall, I think we would have been battling Trent in the in the end for the, the for championship. For the championship,
0: yeah. That's
1: um but yeah, I mean and I don't even think that was a bad thing. I mean, dude. So many people came and helped us and put the car back together. I saw that. We, that was we awesome. Had like, dude, I love we had David, man. He puts
0: like the best videos together.
1: Oh, Dave's amazing. Wisdom what? is the like they are amazing for, for footage. I, I would not choose anyone else. I, yeah. and it's, They do something uh, so different. They do. That's why I love them. Like I worked with them today. Uh, we I saw that. We were laying out the track for, for Voodoo. And for how the, the hell
0: film. is it already ready? Like that's, <laughs> they're yeah, on it, man. He,
1: the, the, no, the car was ready. Twenty minutes after I hit the wall, we were back out there with a straight chassis. That's... Like the car was good. We pulled it with two trucks. Like, I mean, we, dude, the I, all the teams jumped in. As many teams as possible jumped in. We had like AJ jumping in. We had uh, Sean. We had uh, Andy Haley's team. We had Donati's team. We had, or not Donati, a um, uh, Denton's team. Uh, we we had, we had like so many people's team like people I would never even seen or met before just all jumped in and like banged out the car. They told me to go sit down and relax because I, I think I blacked out when I hit because uh, I kind of came to and then realized like wait where am I? Mm-hmm. So small probably a good sized concussion, and yeah it uh, they put me back out on grid. I'm like oh. All right, let's do this. And I I chased Brock away, which in in, uh, practice was solid. Great
0: segue because RTP Photography just asked, how was it driving against him in Texas, and how much faster was he?
1: In Texas than in St. Louis, or what? You
0: you drove against him twice?
1: I drove against him, yeah, multiple times. So in St. Louis, um, it was hard to be fast, so I don't think he could really use the power of his car uh, because the track was so short. Texas, the track has a long middle power alley, and I mean he makes probably 900 horsepower out of that thing, so it's a ripper. Uh, we were with him though; we stayed good with him. The problem was me, and it was a mental problem. It was not a car chassis problem at all. I think the car was completely straight, to tell you the truth. Uh, maybe not aligned perfect, but you know the car was straight. And when I was in the smoke the second time, because I just crashed behind Trent in the smoke uh, 20 minutes before that. So when I was behind him in smoke, all I could think of was my spotter who was like, hey, next time you don't know where you're going, go right, don't go left. <laughs>
0: Daryl's smart man.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he helped me out. He's like, bro, do everything the same way you did, but if you get lost in the smoke, don't pop out left, pop out right. At least it's safe. Like, okay. So sure enough, as we were coming through the smoke, uh, I was like, hmm, I feel like we're probably going to end up in the same spot. Let's pop out right. When I popped out right out of his smoke, I realized I was shallow. And I I mean, and I knew that I lost at that time. Like, I gave him a big thumbs up and everything as we came in because I knew that he flat out beat me. Yeah. Um, But I was driving a little scared because, yeah, I just buried my car in the wall the, the, you know, 20 minutes before that. But I guess my lead run was pretty good. Even though I wasn't really deep on the wall, I think the lead run was still solid, uh, solid enough to win. I just had to stay with him on the outside and I didn't. I dove in. I lost the same way James Dean did. Basically, through that transition, I got like choked up. And it, I lost my momentum. So when I transitioned, I transitioned out of the smoke. It was on the inside. Yeah. And once you're on the inside of Texas, there's no way to work yourself out. So, yep, I lost the same way he did.
0: Yeah. And, uh, so what are, your, uh, what are your plans for next year? Obviously, uh, other than running pro.
1: So we're working with a couple new sponsors for next year, which is super dope. Um, I'm very, very pumped to work with them. Uh, also we are adding some power to the Magnuson blower so we're gonna be going up because this year we drove just so people know horsepower wise because someone told me i had a thousand horsepower i was like <laughs> i wish that would have been awesome um but no i didn't uh low boost power which we started orlando with we we're running like 550 or 580 i think uh and on our next like boost mode up so not full party mode but like you know, at least the next step up. I think we ran the whole year at like 6.60. was 6.50 or 6.60 was uh, like what we maxed the car out for this year.
0: Okay. And that was kind of perfect for where you needed to be.
1: I felt great. Um, uh, Daryl, the spotter, said that we were one of the fastest guys in Pro 2 for the, the weekend. And that seemed to be common like every weekend. So I don't know if that's just a natural grip of the BMW or if it's a... Uh, driving style or if it's uh, how I transition, we're, we're not really too sure, but I seem to be always one of the faster cars out there. And even though we're one of the lower horsepower cars out there. So that's, uh, you, I, I don't know.
0: You guys are the one of the lower, ho- damn, that's fucking crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Tim was the only one because his nitrous had a problem. I think he, him and only a couple other people were lower horsepower than us. But I mean, uh, most of the cars were like 700 and up, I'd say. Oh, wow. At that's... least the guys I talked to were like, yeah, we're like 650, 700, seven, like 800, 900, 1100, you know, power. <laughs>
0: that's for Pro 2 on a 255 tire. That's fucking nuts.
1: Well, and my tire pressure is very high, too, and I think that's just because of the BMW chassis, and the, honestly, I think it's because of the Achilles tires. Like, They're the stickiest tires I've ever drove on in my entire life.
0: Dude, I've heard that so much from everybody, and I've heard that from drivers who don't even drive on those things.
1: Uh, yeah, so I, I'll give you my exact numbers. We ran Irwindale on Federals, which were very good tires to me, and we were running them like 18 PSI, okay? Okay uh 255 same size 255 35 18s. Uh we're running yeah like 17 18 psi throughout the weekend. Uh we were like 58 on the 1 2 3 S's. Damn. Yeah cuz okay, so to Give you a number.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember um George Collada last year mm-hmm. when he was doing the drift league. Yeah. He was talking about it. He's like, "Yeah, we're at 70."
1: Oh, that's a very if you're under 500 horsepower, you're you're at least 70 like 70 psi plus.
0: That is fucking crazy.
1: Oh, it, I want to try
0: them. I got to try them. I'm going to have to we buy were, a pair, Like suck it a, up.
1: Dude, absolutely, but be ready for them cuz they you get to power through them. Like if you lift, you're 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 going straight. That's oh. why they're such an awesome tire cuz they have so much bite that you can throw it in at anything and you know you're coming out of it.
0: Yeah, like, they Dude, you everyone, do every pro driver I've talked to, like, they've always made mention somehow of, like, the Achilles. Like, even in our driver's meetings, we have, um, like, pro drivers, and they'll be like, that's some Achilles shit. Like, we don't, we're not talking about that. And I'm like... <laughs> it def-
1: it's huh. definitely an Achilles game. I mean, dude, like, this weekend, everyone, they were asking me, like, hey, what are you guys running in Texas? And we're running, I mean, crazy. Like, we're running over 50 PSI, and... Everyone else is running, like, du- barely double digits, you know, 14, 18, 20. And, yeah, we're, you know, we're way up there.
0: That's gnarly. That's, that's good to know, though.
1: Yeah. If, uh, if you need, if you're fighting traction, run some Achilles tires. You won't be fighting traction anymore. I'll tell yeah, you
0: that. That was, that's kind of been my issue this year. So we've, we've had, we've made, there's some adjustments in the works to uh, get some more grip out of the car.
1: Yeah. Mechanical grip is big. Um, yeah. how you set up the chassis is very, very, very important. That's why I spent a lot of time, uh, taking notes and setting up the chassis for different tracks and really dialing in, uh, what the car needs and like, you know, what we like to drive on. Yeah. So I'll come in and just tell Nikki like, Hey man, we need to change this or that. And dude, he changes it. We go back out and it's either better or worse. And at least we know what direction to go in. Exactly. So, yeah. And, and honestly, I think another big thing it going like for people who are looking forward to driving Pro Am or Pro 2, do not overbuild the car. If you can't fix that part in under five minutes, do not put it on the car. Just, just don't do it. And I, I don't know how else to explain that. But I mean, like, just figure I always out. I
0: thought it. overbuild was just kind of like spending money when you can be driving.
1: Well, that also—I mean—that's more on don't over, you know, don't blow your money in the wrong direction. Spend all your money in seat time, not in fancy, cool, like hot boy stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh,
1: unless that's the route you're going, if you're going like a grassroots, like hot boy build, then dude, go that route. Like that—that that route is super cool. I really like really dope Japanese style, like hot boy cars. I really do. Um, but for competition, I, I don't think it's—I don't think it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, and it might take you longer to to make something uh, well, to it, simplify it. So it, it it could so it's easier to change later
1: i just i mean i love the sound of 2j's like 2j's are the coolest sounding things ever
0: Agreed. to discipline. but i
1: <laughs> wouldn't put it in my competition car because of how much work and maintenance it needs
0: yeah I mean, the thing with the ls you just fire them up and go but i've had phil the- these shredder on before and he's like i never change the oil
1: it's yeah, like once and I mean, a year. And, yeah, and if you can figure out how to dial it in, then that's very true. But I feel like if you're making a thousand horsepower in a two J, you're paying attention to it.
0: Yeah, well, like, anything you're gonna make a thousand horsepower, you want to keep an eye on because that's expensive. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. But it's like LSs. I feel like are you can beat on them a little bit more. And not worry too much but i mean it's all it's all a personal choice i just felt like you know what we're in the us and ls's are in everything so the likelihood of someone else being able to have the part or help me fix it is very very high yeah because i was going to go a really cool like rj has a super cool uh him and sam in the e30 have really cool m50 or m52 turbos which is the stock motor in a bmw turbo and it's basically like a super cool 2j in a way, because it's an iron block, aluminum head, three liter.
0: Yeah. Um, And he just recently blew his.
1: Yeah, he did. Uh, But I've seen how much time and effort they put into keeping the car reliable, and that's not what I wanted. I saw Trent in his uh, S14, and I don't think he's changed the oil since he put the damn motor in the car. Um Definitely not spark plugs or wires or or coil packs. Like, nothing has changed in that car since he built it four years ago. So, that's pretty good. Yeah,
0: that's that's fucking amazing. What these cars are kind of going through, like, it's weird how you hear, like, some people will have, like, so much success. And then some people will just have, like, the worst of luck.
1: I think it's a mindset at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it's also true. Also true. Um.
1: I I think, so not to get too uh, on the theosophical side, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, that direction. But I believe us as human beings, me included, we love to be right. And whatever story or whatever we believe in that we are, we end up creating. So it's like, oh, if you say, oh, you know what, I always, I don't know, mess up or I always crash or I always break something or this car always... Whatever that is, like somehow we find a way to make it true because we're very attached as human beings to our story. So for me, I had to shift my story from who I was, which is a, a stunt rider, into being a professional driver and then just collect the evidence along the way. So it was a different, a different mindset that I had to figure out. And when people are like, oh, don't you have all these car problems? My car always has these problems. I'm like, no, my car never has these problems. And that's pretty much – like, if you ask my team, that's pretty much how the car is. We unload the car, we check all the paint marks. We've never had any paint marks even move before, but we still check all the paint marks and we do alignment and throw it on the track. That's still really that idea, the... by the way. I love the that what? paint mark idea. Oh, What do you, do, oh, dude, tr- what do you recommend? So uh,
0: like a little dab in paint, like with an actual brush, or will a paint pen do?
1: Oh, no, I use a paint pen and just run a paint pen from the center of the bolt down off the bolt or the nut along whatever flat surface is bolting to. So it probably has like an inch line on every single bolt or nut in the entire vehicle.
0: I think I'm going to do that. I like that idea. Uh,
1: I would highly recommend it. But here, would, here's what I did is I wrote down all the torque specs to every single nut and bolt on the car. And I recommend torquing it to what it says it should be torqued to. Um, because like when I hit the wall, all it did was slide my um, – it just slid all of the stuff over instead of bending it. So whatever the chassis is recommended for that torque spec, I would recommend going to that torque spec. And, yeah, I would torque it all down, go over and just paint mark every single thing that you torqued. And then from that point forward, you never need to, like, put a wrench on it. Like, you can look and be like, oh, it never moved. Cool, we're good to send. And if it does move, it's so obvious that it moved that you're not even questioning it. Yeah. So So it it just...
0: like like what i said earlier like something that will take longer will save you time later and that's just like a perfect example of you skimming across every single bolt to see if all those those lines are lined up on the bolts and if they're not then you know like hey i got to focus on this section because this bolt came loose
1: yeah and we do it for quick checks um I mean, on everything, like even on stuff that people would probably never check, like my winter's quick change, there's the input shaft, the shaft that goes from the front to the tail, Yeah. and we pulled it out, ran a paint line down the middle of it, threw it back in, and halfway through the season, we pulled it out to see if we twisted it, the thing never even moved, and we just put it back in. So we know that if we are starting to twist it or spin it, we can order another one before it breaks. See? Like axles and- That's and the everything.
0: useful information people need.
1: All right. Well, hey man, there make you your go. life as simple as exactly. possible. Paint mark everything. I know it doesn't look hot boy fresh, but paint mark everything. Make your life easier. Make your team's life easier. Um, and yeah, I spend. I guess I spend a lot of time in the shop making the time at the track quicker. Um, like my radiator comes out with two Zeus fasteners. Like click click, the whole radiator comes right out of the car. Okay. Or you know, or if you hit a wall at eighty miles an hour, it comes out quickly p- as well but no it came out all as one piece <laughs> I,
0: I don't know um, if you remember um because we both did round one of the of just drift last year when i almost it, hit david but yes. i don't know if you remember when i went off during practice in my radiator i twisted my radiator pretty bad yeah and then uh yeah i kept adding jb weld and then you kept passing by the car because it happened to be like in the worst place you're like hey you're leaking again
1: yes I remember. And I think I thought I ran to the front though and grabbed it with pliers and pinched it off.
0: Did we
1: spin and pinch it or tried to pinch it?
0: Yeah, we tried, but we uh I just had to wait for it to leak out and then glue it again.
1: Got it. This time, guess what I bought? I bought uh quick weld waterproof. Ah. So it's as long, for long as the radiators. pressure's not there? <laughs> it's no no, it's JB Weld. For wet radiator situations.
0: I am gonna have to invest in a tube.
1: It's a blue tube, autozone, eight Get, bucks.
0: Getting it and it's gotta go in the toolbox. Yeah, that's shit like that you need.
1: Um also back to the chassis, why I don't recommend changing chassis and why I recommend um, running a chassis that you know that you know and, and can respect or whatever else is I bought a spare E thirty six for three hundred bucks. I took every single part off of it and it's all on grid walls in my trailer. So I literally have a spare everything. Spare brake lines, calipers, rotors, pads, knuckles, heims, uh, racks, uh, steering linkages, two racks. Like I have a spare everything. Yeah. Everything I could possibly think of. Spare radiators. And what I really did this season to jump up for next season is I bought spare full-size radiators with fans, with relays, spare clutches, spare throwout bearings, spare clutch lines, Everything and I made it all module. So what we did is we corner balanced the car, measured everything, and then took all the measurements and preset all the spare coils, all the spare steering linkages, all the spare everything is all preset and paint marked. So all I have to do is if I come in and something's bent, uh, like uh, Nikki and Carson will pull one full like full front tie rod assembly off the car, put the new tie rod assembly on because it's just heim to hime. And boom, right back out there in, you know, two or three minutes. Damn. So, and so it's, it's, all, simple. it's
0: all about being efficient.
1: It is, and it's simple stuff too. So anything, like I said, if you can't get it off in five minutes, don't do it. So the rack on a BMW is kind of a pain if you have a sway bar because you got to put a wrench up above it to hold the nut. And then getting the nut back on is a super pain because you can't really get it on with the box side, so you got to get it on with the open end. But they open and it slides off. So all I did was when we had the motor out, I just tack welded the nut on top. So now you just hit it with a gun from the bottom. And as it comes on, it comes off. No big deal. Okay. So it's stupid little simple things like that that make a big difference when you're in a rush panicking.
0: Yeah, my car is screwed if it ever needs a steering rack in a five-minute call. (laughs) It's right under the oil pan. And there's no room to get it out.
1: You got to figure out a way to make it. I don't care if you got to notch something or cut something I, or move something, or you you, you got to find a way to make that work. Like even my power steering pump, my power steering pump takes forever because LS two style for the the blower, uh-huh. and you have to take the pulley off, and then you got to like once you take the pulley off, then you can get to the three bolts behind it. You got to take the three bolts off, then you got to break the AN lines off and all this junk, right? So. Yeah. What we did is I made extended AN a- lines on both pumps. So even my spare pump already has extended one, so I just thread it on the bottom. So that's super easy to get off. And I bought um, uh, the turn one power steering pump wheel, like pulley, so it has holes in it. So I don't have to take the pulley off. So I have a spare pulley on my you other one. You just turn it to a certain sets.
0: section and you get those three bolts out?
1: Take the three bolts out, pull it off, put the new one on, put the three bolts back in, put the AN line on the bottom of it, and I'm done. C- and I can do it in CTSV under two
0: comes that way standard.
1: Yeah, no. Oh, so the new car has, or the new setup has the CTSV with the th- the four posts on it, right? Yeah. And yeah, and you can just shoot it right off, shoot yep. it right back on. But I I spent the extra money and bought a spare pulley for my spare pump, and I preset it. So uh, someone's not sitting in there trying to preset the pulley or set the pulley once it's on. It's already set up and aligned. I have made sure it was perfect. Then I took it off the car and put it on the wall.
0: Yeah, see, so just preparation is key.
1: It, it is. I mean, it's weird because we have never had to use any of that stuff. Like But I if said, you did,
0: you're, you're ready to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have all my belts labeled, written on, supercharger belt, uh, and then serpentine, like, engine belt, and I have them written on, and they're on the wall. Like, everything's very visual and easy to get to. So... So I just try to make everyone's life easy.
0: So what would you say somebody asked this question? I'm going to butcher oh, yeah. the name. I think it was I'm I, open for it. I think it was Galen. Uh what is the name? Galen Norman looks. Okay. Oh, I hope I didn't butcher your name, man. Uh what's the biggest lesson you learned in Pro 2? Uh
1: per, what you just said, basically preparation. The big difference from Pro Am to Pro 2 and Pro 1 is that a pro one team can put a car, an entire car back together in five minutes. Uh, a pro two team can probably put a car back together, like, I mean, wall, like, disintegrate the wall probably back in 20 minutes. And a pro-am team takes, like, two weeks.
0: Dude,
1: <laughs> so yeah. that is very crucial. I learned that the last round. Um, I also learned that qualifying is key. Uh, you don't get to battle if you don't qualify, so figure out how to qualify. Um let me think. What else? Uh, the traveling wasn't that big of a deal for me. I grew up playing ice hockey, so I, I traveled a lot for ice hockey. So that part wasn't a, a big deal. Um, but make sure that you have people with you on your team that can do it with or without you there. Because in Pro 2, you don't, you, you really can't be wrenching on your own car. Like you can after the event's over, but you show up on, on Thursday – no, Friday, Wednesday – Unload the car, get it all prepped, get ready to go. Thursday goes so fast, it's not even funny. You have driver's meeting, like let's say 9 a.m. You have a practice for like an hour and a half at 10 or 11. And then you're back in for lunch for an hour. You go back out for an hour practice session and go right into grid. Uh, If you're starting like we did, I think there was like 50 or 60 drivers here. You're probably only going to get four laps, if you're lucky, the entire time before you qualify. So just be ready to get everything going together and learn tracks really, really quickly because that's pretty much your only option out there is to be ready, have your tires ready, mounted. Um, No one's gonna cater to you. Like you get to be a team and depend on each other and really make this happen in a big time way. And only bring people with you that are serious. Don't bring like just random people that don't know the car because it's gonna screw you in the end for sure.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's what I noticed. I had it's kind of hard getting a team together for myself. Um so I'm going to end up having to pay
1: people to show up. Uh okay, so why is it hard for you to get a team together?
0: Uh me personally? Yeah. Uh I just I don't have anybody like anybody like on a personal level that's as that's as invested. Um I think the most invested people would be my girlfriend and my mother. And okay. if they knew how to change tires, they would be down there doing it. And I, and I have.
1: So what about this? What about put out something for this year and be like, hey, I'm looking for a couple guys for next year. Um, I want to start working with them and going over the car this year. And uh, anyone, if there's anyone open, hit me up. I guarantee you. That
0: is the plan, actually. That
1: you will get blasted with people. You have more than a lot of people that want to be part of racing. Yeah. And here's the thing. Once they're part of a drift, formula drift, pro-am team, whatever it is, dude, that on a resume looks very, very, very good. And the knowledge that you learn from being on, like working on a pro or pro-am team is very, very valuable, especially even if they don't want to go into drifting just in general because it's how to work under pressure. There's so much aspects of stuff that goes into it. So when I'm not driving, I enjoy working on other people's teams, as you've seen. Like I I worked with Tony this year and Susan and a couple different people, and really it it helps a lot. Because if you can get the driver to focus on driving, uh, it is – I mean it's probably invaluable. Like that's what you need. You need the driver to focus on driving. Yeah, like, think of the big teams like Papadakis. Like you don't see Osbo out there wrenching on his car. Yeah, exactly.
0: No, and that was the plan. Like so, right now I'm in the midst of gathering parts together for the new motor, clutch, all that fun stuff, and I kind of wanted to put something out there soon to kind of see if anybody would be interested in just you know working with me. And you know, it's it's kind of so, so hard why, because I don't like so, having people work so, for free. But you know what it's like when you can't really afford to pay somebody.
1: Yeah, it's it's not the work for free. It's if you overwork them and slave labor them for free, they don't like that shit. Yeah, I can see. That. But, but you
0: know, beer and pizza only go so far.
1: Yeah, but you can do more for them than beer and pizza. It's not. It's it's not that. Like, so okay. So why would you want? Like, let's say I don't know. I'm free. I'm gonna work for you. Like, why? Like, why should I come work with you? See, like, what's in it for me?
0: That's the thing I don't have an answer for. Like, for for you. Nothing because you're way beyond where I'm at. But let's say somebody who doesn't have that experience and wants it, I can offer them, like, hey, you know, you can learn something here. But, you know, for somebody like you, it's, I don't see what there is to gain from you unless you're trying to show, like, hey, I can teach people to be better.
1: Okay. But not, I'm just saying, let's just say, I mean, let's pretend that I don't know how to drive. I don't know anything. I'm just a normal person. Like, sell me on your program.
0: See, that's what I'm working on right now.
1: Well, uh, I'm, not go through talk- right now. I'm
0: not a talker man uh if you get an you're email,
1: you're not talking, you just talk
0: for an hour no, you, no 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 i mean like talking. uh like just to like talk the on BS. the spot like i can i, don't, I can I, don't believe you. I can create an email pretty well because i can yeah. you know delete the sentence like after i read it and i was like that sounds stupid let's reword it
1: all right why would someone want to hang out with you why would someone want to be your friend why would someone want oh, to oh dude
0: you? you're asking the a loner right now that question okay, well, ch- change the story what the <laughs> hell is going on see i'm not see that's where i'm at that's that's why that's why because i just you, leave it alone saying,
1: oh i'm not good at this oh i'm a loner i'm this
0: so yeah here, see no i'm I terrible said, at that no no no. it's just a kind of reality thing that i just i deal with and i'm working on it so that's what i'm trying to come up with like to have that um to kind of sell
1: that a all right, Well, sell sell it right now it, what better time it, you're like, putting me it. on the
0: spot bro it's
1: Absolutely. not gonna happen let's do this shit now <laughs> What is what is so great about you and your program? Uh,
0: I don't think I there are any. See. Mm. Okay,
1: here, here. How about this? I'll sell your program. You ready?
0: I'm All very right, modest, yeah, I, so I'll, I'm I'll... just like, uh, you know, you can. There's always better. Like, I, I'm not one to like complain about things. So it's like, oh, okay, you just go around that situation and you don't worry about it. Like, okay, if, so you're, yeah, let, you're not making sh- enough money. Go get another job
1: yeah but let's shift all that shit right out, because it could all change very very quickly very sure. anyway so let's let's go to this. let's say okay so what is unique about what you drive
0: it's it's definitely no there's maybe two other people driving it in the country Competitively, okay, do you think
1: do you think anyone anyone out there would like to work on something that there's only one or two of in the entire u.s as a professional car
0: i think plenty of people would be in, interested in that actually
1: okay so there we go also they're known as the people who did the r&d to make the car work which is phenomenal, dude, it, it's it's out there. The fact that you're running a Chevy with a Chevy platform or, you know, Cadillac, but Chevy, Chevy platform is amazing. There's not very many of them out there. Dude, they'd be one of the only people working on the team that's actually running that setup, that car, that program, and that whole entire thing. And they get to grow and shift and move up with you. So that's huge aspects. Also, dude, let's say you were you five years ago or 10 years ago before you started drifting. Okay. And you saw, I don't know, let's say Trent and Trent was like, Hey man, will you work on my team? I know you don't know a whole lot about it. Will you work on my team? Uh, you know, start by fueling up the car and changing tires and I'll help you learn. Would you be open to that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm open okay. to that shit now.
1: Okay. That's how people see you.
0: You know, see and, and see, see that's the thing like is that. and that's the thing I is I think that's what it is. It's probably like a confidence thing, and I need to work on that.
1: You just get to see yourself how everyone else sees you. Don't see yourself as who you think you used to be back in the past. Like you're not your past, you're your future. The impossible future always calls us forth. So if you can figure out who you want to be and who you declare or who you say you are, that's who you become. Like think about this when we're little. when we're I mean I don't know about you, but I was in special ed my whole life and I, I hated going to school. I always got made fun of for speaking, talking, uh, had a speech like impediment um, – I was born deaf, so I had, you know, had some problems there for sure, and I always got made fun of, and so I never wanted to go to school, so getting up or waking me up for school was not the business. like It was not happening. My mom tried all she could. I just would hate to go to school, but let's say we're going to go to, I don't know, like Disneyland or something. How fired up are you when you know you're going to go to Disneyland later in that day?
0: That's, that's true. There's a, a, there's a reward.
1: Dude, so you freak speak. out. You're like, oh, you get up before they do. You're like yeah. The door you like, can't whoa, even whoa, sleep. Like, dad. Like, get up, get up, get up, get up. Like, you can't even sleep the night before. Okay. So my question to you is: Is it the past that determines how we show up in the present, or is it our future that we're looking into that determines how we show up in the present?
0: It's our future, and that's what I'm working on. So
1: absolutely, I'm depth trying. I'm working vision. on it in my in my own uh,
0: at my own pace.
1: All right. Well, depth of vision is very important, man. Definitely. So figure out where you want to go figure out how you're going to get there. Even if you don't know how to get there, just have blind faith that you're going to get there no matter what. And dude, just go for it. Go all that's, out.
0: That's the and plan, that, man.
1: That all out motion will find a way to make it happen. You always will. A human being will always find a way to make it happen. I mean, think about like having kids. Did, when, when you had, when you had your child, did you know what to do?
0: No. As he's standing over my shoulder right now, I still it, don't. exactly.
1: So you had no idea what to do, but did you make it happen? Definitely. Absolutely. Drifting's no different.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's the same thing. That's why I'm working on so many other things, like trying to start the business so I can afford it on my own without so, having to ask for too much. Because you got to make so money to do this.
1: So here's a funny thing. Money is never the deciding factor. And what I mean by that is three years ago when I decided I wanted to drive, uh, I had no job really. Um, I was working at a center, like a transformational center for... I think, 500 a month, which, I mean, is not enough to really even live on, need alone try and, you know, build a drifting career. And I just started finding ways of making it work. Like, I asked people, hey, man, can I have your old tires? Or, hey, like, you know, I drove a Corolla, so it was very cheap to get tires, very cheap to, to get fuel. It was, you know, I just tried and did anything I possibly could, and then I ended up opening my own center and making more money in the center. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Let's open a shop because I've like you know I really want to work on race cars. I don't want to work on other cars. Let's only work on race cars. Yeah. And somehow my only clients are only race cars. Like I only build race
0: cars. Not now. complaining.
1: And oh, no, definitely not complaining. I I I'm doing exactly what I chose to do at that time and what I love to do. And you can create anything out of nothing, man. So I totally believe in you being able to do it. Like no, I it's agree. money is never the deciding factor. It's the desire. It's how big, how large the desire is. You always figure out the money situation.
0: Oh, like for me, it's it's not just necessarily like the money to afford it. Like me starting my own business is to kind of jumpstart a whole bunch of things. Like I want to buy a house. I want of my course. son to have something to fall back on if things don't work out. You know, uh, it, it just, don't worry it's, about that. Don't, it's, don't all, work out. it's all like, it's all just to make sure everything, I want to be comfortable in my life and do what I want to do. So starting the business is a stepping stone to that. At least for me.
1: Okay, I I would recommend you push beyond being comfortable and being excited about your life.
0: Oh no no no, no, no! If, if I, you're I, like that's...
1: comfortable and casual, I'm
0: comfortable, comfortable and, and casual, casual right now. I make a decent living, but I know I can. There's more, and I want to. I want better, so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just kind of. I don't. I'm not looking. I'm not. What is it? Materialistic in any way.
1: Man, you don't. It doesn't have to be. I'm not either. I yeah. don't care less. Yeah. I drive a uh, a Mercury Sable as a daily driver. People yeah. do. Why don't See? you drive something? No, but like I got a drift car. Like why do <laughs> I care? Yeah.
0: You know what? I used to feel the same way. Like what, back, I used to have like a Cadillac Streetcar. That's what I attended my first um, drift access event, in. that's when nice. I was like, oh, this is this is like a huge stepping stone for me at the time. And I was like, I was, I'm finally getting on my my own feet. My career is starting to take off. And then you know, I thought that was that was the world to me. Now. Like, I have a race car. I don't give a shit. I'll drive a Honda Accord, you know, with a door missing Yeah. as a daily. I don't care, like, because I have a race car at home. It doesn't bother me.
1: Yeah, and then what, I mean, what, people are going to say, like, oh, you drive a shitty car? It's like, yeah, because other people run into it anyways. People
0: yeah. get it, yeah.
1: door thing. like, I don't care what happens. I, I
0: drive in it. LA. It's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I grew up surfing my whole life, and I always drove, like, a really old Ford Taurus. Uh, and I would leave the keys in it. And just so I could go surf and no one would hassle me. And people were like, dude, you're going to leave your keys in? I'm like, yeah, I don't want them to break the window. Like, the window's worth more than the car is. Like, just, just you know, if they're going to steal it, just steal it. <laughs> but we just, yeah, leave the keys in so I wouldn't lose the keys while I'd surf. Because I did that one time and lost the keys and was like, hmm, yeah, this is shitty. Let's not yeah. do that again. So, but yeah. yeah like, I'll take I mean, my dude. chances. <laughs> absolutely but yeah I, I think you can definitely uh, definitely accomplish it i mean put it this way if i can do it you definitely can do it yeah there's no difference man we're both human beings we both can make it happen yeah i agree
0: and everyone's way is different so like that's just the route i'm yeah. taking and that's why i was kind of looking into possibly like having an incentive for somebody like hey i'll pay you if i can um i'm obviously going to try the, the route where i don't have to pay anything um is like hey if you come out to the track You get a hundred bucks, you know, it's, it's, it's something, it's not much, but it's something for you to come out and, you know, at least pay your way there and get back home. You know, it's, but I wanted somebody, uh, to actually kind of help me put this car back together and I'm (laughs) so used to working alone, but I wanted that just so they can be familiar with the car so I can be going prepared. Huh?
1: I said, I think that's a smart idea. I think you should definitely go and work with, like have someone there with you. So something does happen. It's not just you guessing by yourself.
0: Yeah, that's the plan. So we're and, and we're still working towards it. But I still got so many other things I'm still working on. So we're just doing one thing at a time right now. And when Except, I say we, I mean me.
1: Okay. Me and my. kids well, <laughs> either way, I mean, do whatever, whatever way you think you have to do it. Uh, go for it.
0: For sure, but um,
1: what's, uh, yeah, what are, what's
0: the number one piece of advice? You can give to anybody coming to Pro 2 who they know they're going. Like, What's the number one piece that you think is the most important?
1: Keep everything simple.
0: You've, you've said it more than once. Okay. So I just yeah, to- and, and
1: when I mean everything, I mean everything down to flights, down to, like, staying, like, arrangements, uh, um, travel situations. The driving is probably only 20% of Pro 2. Just to give you guys a heads up, like, twenty percent of it is driving. The rest of it is getting there with a full car, with your team, figuring out how different dynamics go. Not wanting to kill each other overnight, like, like there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Uh, we found a great click. Luckily, the you know the previous year year in pro am, which was very very helpful. So my like core team, we just continued on. I didn't take anyone else on. We didn't do change anything, but. Try and make everything simple. That's including working on the car. That's uh, like, and I take a great input from my team. I ask them every event, like, "Hey, what can I do to make your life easier? What can I, what can I buy to make it better?" And they're like, "Oh, a second torque wrench." I'm like, "Okay, nine dollar Harbor Freight." Like, here I come. I mean, it doesn't cost a whole lot, and it makes their life a lot easier. So, I mean, I didn't know what they were doing. I mean, I come in. I feel like a NASCAR team. I come in, or, slide in. And then like do 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 down like go go go. I'm like, we're not like okay. (laughs) Like take off. And I found out like, dude, what what are you guys doing? They're like, Oh, we're trying to figure out how fast we can give you fuel and tires in. I'm like, all right, what's up? What's the time? They're like a minute thirty-seven, fuel and tires. So it's
0: probably you think it's mostly fuel that takes that long?
1: Probably, but dude, they're pumping out in like a a minute thirty seven. Dude, we're I mean, put it this way, we can come off get fuel and tires, and get back in line most of the time before the other cars finish their run. So I don't even lose a spot in line, and that is huge in Pro 2 because if you take five minutes to change tires, you're eight cars back, and you probably won't get a second run.
0: Okay, so be efficient. Got it.
1: Extremely efficient, which to me goes back down to make everything very, very simple. Correct. So, yeah, well-labeled, simple. Make it to where anyone could walk in the pits and be like, Oh! Torque wrench is in the drawer that's labeled torque wrench. That makes sense. Like stupid simple stuff.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's
1: all everything's all preset. Uh, all like the the guns have the right uh, the right socket on it, labeled in red. So it's like, oh, red is for wheels. Okay, so the red sockets go to the wheels. Like every oh, even my sockets are written on to just make life so much easier for people.
0: Just to, damn, that, and that's in there. They're using like all your own tools and stuff like that. So you're making sure that they know the, it's simple for anybody, if you're just going to have anybody, to go up there and be like, oh, this drawer says sockets.
1: Yeah. I mean, we had, like I said, like 20 something people from, I don't know, 15 different teams working on the car to get the car back together in 20 minutes. We did not lose a single tool.
0: Dude, that's, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. The, I've, I mean, I, I worked for Ford for a couple of years as a diesel tech and, The fact of 20 people touching tools and not losing any of them, I can't even normally get one person besides yourself to touch tools and not lose them. So we had something going on right to where everything got back together and we got back out to track with not a single thing missing.
0: Yeah, that's – somebody always walks away with something by accident too. It's not even on purpose. (laughs)
1: No, and I wouldn't throw, take it. In,
0: you throw in it in like your back, like you throw a wrench in your back pocket because you need both your hands, and then like, oh, you walk away, and there that wrench is yours now, and you forgot well, everything. It
1: was. Everything is labeled so well that they're like, hey, we're missing a 17 and a 14. They're like, well, got it. Oh, got it over here. Like, like, dude, we we're quick. They're just done. We got it back in the truck. Got it out there uh, by ceremony. I pulled back in. Truck was loaded. They're sitting there, sitting there chilling. We have, we're put it this way. We're efficient enough that. During the lunch breaks, my team will sleep for like an hour in the trailer just to relax. Nice. Because we know we're going to have a long hey, night.
0: You need those power naps, man.
1: Dude, we have four hammocks in the in it, and they just hammock it up and just chill. So they power nap it through. And it's it's nice having like designated people to do designated things. Like I have my wife will run out and grab food and everything for everyone. So by the time we come back to the pits, we're not worried about food. We come back, and boom, we have all of our food. She sets us up for everything. We get everything, eat everything. Finish everything up. Boom. Next, or she, like they're making sure that we have water. Like everything is, everything is pretty much situated to where everyone has a job that they know, that they do. And I just ask them, "What do you like to do?" Oh, I like to do tires. Cool. That's what you're doing. Like I want people to do what they love to do, not what they don't like to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Just find out what people's strengths are and and let them succeed in what they love to do.
0: That's. Feels like a foreman. That's my, that's my aunt, that's, I'm a foreman at work, so it's like that's what I I try to work the same way, trying to have people like, hey, what are you comfortable with doing? Because if I have you doing something else, I'm gonna lose a whole bunch of product- productivity. So,
1: yeah, exactly. It's- and and I don't get mad at my guys for doing like whatever whatever they feel like they need to do. Like I trust them a hundred percent. I mean, I come in, I don't even ask tire pressures anymore. I don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I just show up to the line. Boom, Nikki will figure that out. Sends me back out. He's like, "How is it better or worse?" I'm like, "Oh, it's better." He's like, "All right, got you." He'll dial it in, and then by the time we hit qualifying, the car is pretty set. It's it's dialed, and then as long as temperature change doesn't change too drastic, which in Pro Two it kind of does, because we go from the middle of the hot day to like cold at night, and we just change for it, and and boom, keep going. Dude. But is there any other uh, any other fun questions? I like questions.
0: Let me double check one more time. There might be. I think th- there's like specific questions, but you kind of went over. Uh, Troyster four fifty five asked car setup. Everything else we covered.
1: Uh, car setup. I'm I'm not too sure on what he means for car setup, but uh, the he car drives setup a
0: BMW I... too. If that. Oh, means.
1: okay, got it. Uh, I run eighth inch out in the front, eighth inch in in the rear, and. Pretty much, that's it. The car makes so much traction on the Achilles tires that uh, we don't need any more toe-in than that at all, and okay. we're pretty balanced uh, suspension-wise. I mean, like it's just a normal, it's a normal chassis setup. There's nothing magical about my chassis setup. at Are you
0: still all. in four four ones?
1: Yeah, still still running the four four ones. Yeah, uh, all right. We're, we're going up to the four four twos this year. Yeah, I see but... so
0: many people like in pro am. Like fully built drift car, like obviously that's a terrible term to use. Like, pro one ready drift cars, and I'm like, you guys spending a lot I, of money,
1: dude. The four four threes are dope. I have no idea how to use them effectively enough to justify so, but, them on the car.
0: Right, I can. Ba- so, I'm barely re- figuring out how to dial in like the four four one.
1: Dude, I recommend the four four ones from Odie. Like I said, I went from I mean I, I went from another another company, a well known company uh to feel didn't even know how to set them up i think i said like 20 up front 10 clicks in the rear and dude that's how i ran it the entire season uh with the ls fest wins with uh and that's just something you just
0: kept on consistency right like that was you didn't really change so much setup i assume and then you just kind of kept driving that car the way it was
1: i almost never changed setup because i wanted to know what the car was going to do so I just figured out what I needed to do to make the car drive well. And I just went from there. And I think that's plenty good enough. Like consistency is way, way more important in Pro-Am and Pro-2 than I'd say than anything else. Because once you get up to a Pro-1, which I have not driven Pro-1, so I have no experience there. But talking to Papadakis, is he's like, look, why we love Osbo is he is so consistent That if something is off, it's not him. It's the car. And we can adjust the car to get it back perfect for him and let him go again. But the problem is if you have an inconsistent driver and an inconsistent car, you don't know what the hell to adjust. Ah. And that that really made a lot of sense to me. So I was like, I need to work on consistency. So screw it. We're going to set up the car with some basic setup. And I mean, dude, eighth inch in and eighth inch out is like the most basic drift setup ever. I think every single car starts there. Yep. So, basic setup, the most basic setup you can possibly do and drive the car as much as possible to be able to run the same line over and over and over and over to where you're boring to watch. And then once you're at once you're boring to watch, which is funny cuz Taka's last remarks to me when I like at the end of Pro M Is he's like, all right, man. He's like, dude, you're boring. So boring that we don't even watch your lead runs anymore. (laughs) I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, dude, you're boring as hell. And I, I I thought it was a negative thing, so I let it go. But dude, it was like eating at me. I was like, no, I gotta know what he meant. It's Like, what? Gotta know what he means. So I ran back over there after. I'm like, hey, Taco, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, you're you're boring. I was like, okay. He's like, who else? Like, if you're watching Formula D, who's boring? They're like, oh. Osbo's boring and he's like there we go and just walked off that was all he said
0: because you so, s- it's just the consistency thing It, it and yeah I, I can agree with that because it kind of it's it's becomes it from a spectator standpoint if you're watching it can become like unemotional and like robotic
1: yeah like like put it this way when james dean first went out there james dean was like the most fun person in the world to watch
0: yeah and then like right? four rounds in i was like oh He's in. killing like, it again.
1: Oh, I, don't, I, I don't even need to watch this. Event. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, right, I...
1: let's, like let's get to battles. I mean, dude, St. Louis, St. Louis really showed me how pristine James is. Okay, so the first eight Pro One drivers went out there and drove around the track, didn't drift, drove around the track. Okay, James goes full tilt, full run, and clipped and takes like literally hits every single clipping point perfectly and goes off and i just look over at the judges and the judges were like that that's pretty much what we're asking for the first pass never seen it and the second half of the track is a blind track is a k rail in between you that's so the, that was so impressive to me it wasn't even funny hey, then so- he comes out to texas and straight runs a 99 which the next closest guy at that moment was like a 92 i think Straight lays a 99 and was like, oh, oh, okay, I lost one point on angle. I got you. Follows up a 99 with a 100. And it's like, oh, is that better? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> We're sitting there watching the jumbo Jumbotron like, what the hell was that?
0: That's gnarly. Like, I know, no, I, don't I, know I didn't even I unfortunately I missed qualifying I had a, I had a lot going on that day um but I, I do want to ask you something yeah I lost my damn train of thought again um oh are you a driver that looks ahead I know it's kind of like talked about a lot um amongst other drivers to always look at the next obstacle and never stay focused at the one you're at are you one of those
1: okay so if you see me hit a clip then that means I did not look ahead that means I stared at the clip all the way straight through it. Okay. So, like, the final round of top drift, the second, so I, the first run I think I ran, I don't know, like an 84 or something, this, or no, of Drift League, the second run, you know how we run the normal Irwindale layout, right? Yeah. The second run, Daryl's like, hey, man, get closer to the that clip, you'll pick up more points, the The only inner clip on the track. I'm like, okay. Dude, I stared at it so long that I center punched it with the side of my door. <laughs> Like I've never hit the – I've never even like scrubbed that cone. I straight hit it with the dead center of my door straight at like vision and watched it go under the car. <laughs> and Daryl's was like, uh, I didn't mean hit it with the center of the car. So like, you said get close. I couldn't get any closer. Yeah. It came into my window. Like I left a mark on my helmet. <laughs> like, it, yeah, it, it's, it's – that was it, the scenario. So back to your question and, and a real answer for you is Taka always taught me um that where you're looking is where you're gonna go so remember how when you were driving the the first round how you kept driving up at us into the like into the dirt yeah yeah know. Yeah, yeah. we could see you staring at us the whole or staring like looking over because your bright helmet we could see you staring at the dirt the entire time you transition you never take your eyes off the dirt and that's where you would go every single time your body will go wherever you're looking and I mean, I learned it in street bikes, but it's the same thing in cars. So, whatever you're looking at or fixated on, that is where you're going to go. So, you got to look ahead. You, you, like in solo, I just look where I want to go. So, boom, outer clip, I stare at outer clip. I don't even look at the inner track. Like, I, I don't care. Someone could be dancing in there. I would never see them. And I just look outer track and I just run, like, boom, next, 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 next. And then I look, okay, I need to get to this section of the zone. I stare at this section of the zone. Till I come to where I know the car is going to fill it no matter what I do, boom, the next next section, next section. And I'm always looking like, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next?
0: And I'm going to try to work on that. Yo, I do remember, yeah, I remember staring at the whole mountain the whole fucking time as I went up it.
1: You can send, like, I, I'm getting better at it because I'm starting to notice when it's right and when it's wrong. But like, you can send me a video of someone drifting that section And I can tell you now what they're looking at based on the results they get in their car. So it's good for me. Like I'll have my crew film me from the outside and I can totally tell if if I'm chasing my car or if I'm leading my car based on the inputs I put in. And then we even put an inside camera in the car too. One of my things I've been practicing is calming myself down in the car. Not that I get excited but calming it down to where my last runs in St. Louis – my elbows never left the bolsters on the seat. Like, the car transition and kept, drove
0: keeping itself. Just really laxed.
1: Oh, yeah. my Like, I literally throw it in and then, like, slide my hands open, close them, slide my hands open for the transition, close them, slide my hands open for the end, close them, and finish the finish line. Hmm. And it was, like, effortless. Like, full effortless.
0: Not going to lie, man. I love having this damn podcast. I learned a lot. <laughs> i really do and it's more yeah, beneficial try. for me because yeah, not a whole lot of people dude. listen
1: <laughs> well if you ever need anything or if there's anything i can ever help you with please call me i'm, I'm down to help for sure oh definitely um, will be, i man. love helping people and working with them. i mean that's what i did for a business before this so i'm oh, i'm, I'm okay. down uh but yeah i just tried to calm myself down in the car and really because i was watching james and peter and all them in their car and if you don't look out the window and you look at the car you look like they're driving, or they look like they're driving through a parking lot. Like, that's how slow their movements are in the car. And that's what I was trying to get to because that means that the car's happy, they're online, and they're not fighting anything. But you can tell because when I'm offline, my hands are flailing around to try and get the car settled again. Yeah. So you could tell when someone's on or offline, when they're online, they don't barely even need to do anything. When you're offline, you're all over the place.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I got to watch round four of the Drift League last from um, the judge's standpoint to see what they were looking at. Yeah, and I was in every single driver meeting, and I watched almost every single driver that was out there not be on the line they were told to be on. Uh-huh, And people still took a win, and I was like, "Damn." that's so confusing
1: yeah it is
0: so that was uh i don't know if what other places allow it but if you can get into a driver's meeting and you want more of like an understanding see if you can sit in the driver's meeting see what they talk about what the judges are expecting of them and just watch just spectate and see just make your own you can come up with your own uh Conclusion. Yeah, exactly. Because what I, I know, what I I know what I heard in the driver's meeting. I know what I saw, and it was two different things. So I was just a little confused by it. But if you do what you're told by the judges, you're probably gonna win. And don't spin. Yeah, out.
1: that's ex- that's exactly what it is. Just pay attention to what they want.
0: Yeah. So and that's like one thing you did last year is you were always closer to the wall. You didn't run like a suit. You weren't like inches off the wall. Not that I remember. But you know, you were always running a consistent. You know. Mid high line, mm-hmm. and then I saw somebody take a win this last time on a mid line all weekend.
1: Yeah, but everyone else was still driving mid line the whole weekend. Yes, yes. So it was that's just how it goes. They pick, they choose the best driver that showed up that day. Yep. But I do remember, like for us last year, I was trying to run a high line. I mean, I drug the bumper on the wall twice and was like, "Yeah, that's a little bit close. I don't think we need to be that high." My spotter's like, "Yeah, I mean, that's good, but." Eh. You probably don't need to, like, you know, destroy the car. So mm-hmm. maybe step a foot off the wall, you'll be fine up there. And we just – once we dialed that in, I literally ran – if you listen to my runs, you can close your eyes and you know exactly what I'm doing and where I'm at on the track because I try and run the same run, same clutch kick, same transition, same everything over and over and consistency. over
0: and over I wish I can. I want to get there. I, I'm a, that's why I want to do the seat time. but gonna...
1: Seat time and consistency go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, you can see with Chelsea, so – Chelsea, when he first got in the Mustang, was not consistent. Like, Chelsea was all over the place in the Mustang. But once he got seat time in the Mustang, he is super consistent and continuously runs the same, like, gangster reverse backies at Texas the entire weekend. Yeah. Yeah. He was the only one pulling those off. But he ran it every single lap. It wasn't like he was doing it to trick someone. Like, he consistently ran... Backy, 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 the whole entire time because that's what the car, from my understanding, and what it looks like visually, that's what the car wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, so as long as you know that, then it's super easy to be consistent because you just trust it. You just keep sending it the same way, same way, same way, same way. That's crazy. Yeah, it, dude, is super fun, man. Any other fun questions?
0: Uh, like we did got one from Eddie Drift. Uh, same car for Perfect. next year? Oh, absolutely. Okay, that's what I assumed. Um,
1: I have spare I have spare everything. The car isn't that bad. Like, I'll probably throw it on frame straightener just to check it. But uh, absolutely same car. We were looking at other platforms. Um, I came across a 1 Series. I really like the 1 Series. We might start doing some R&D on it and stuff, but I, I, I don't know because I don't like, like the weird, like, five-link rear end and the five-link front end. Like, it just – I don't understand the geometry and I don't think I want to jump into a chassis that I don't understand yet.
0: Last week's guest is in the middle of a one series right now for Pro Am. Uh who? Uh, his name is Jacob Corbett. Um he's out of Northern California.
1: Oh perfect. Uh I would love to chat with him, see how he likes it.
0: Yeah, um, he's uh he's he he keeps sending me updates via messenger on Facebook. Like he just finished the cage last night, he painted it today. He's trying to like have it ready this thing ready for an event this weekend or next weekend. I can't oh, remember which, but this guys he's slamming that thing together. It's nuts.
1: What's his power plant? Does he know?
0: Oh, he has a uh, Ford 3-valve in there. A what? A Ford 3-valve, basically the S197 motor
1: hmm. with okay, a supercharger on it. Yeah, I don't know much about those.
0: Yeah, uh, he had a S197. He was drifting for a while, and he's like, this engine's still good. I'm just going to use it and throw it in the 1 Series. I guess he's been into BMWs for quite a while. Um
1: no, no I, I like the one series. I like the look of it mainly. Um, the wheelbase is good. The ratio from width to, to depth is better than a E92, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, yeah, just the thing for me, the really thing that held me, or held me back from pulling the trigger and building one is the price for parts. Like, taillights are still $400.
0: Yeah, that's and, and
1: I go through a set of taillights in an event. So I'd have to whole have like a whole new cost bracket uh, just for taillights. Yeah. Um, body panels wouldn't be a big deal. I know Big Duck Club is developing uh, one series body panels right now, so Big Duck Club's do they'll they'll have it rock and rollin'. Uh, but all the little weird stuff is super expensive on it now. Like I'd want a couple sets of doors because we seem to destroy those, mm-hmm. and you know doors are like door. a thousand dollars. Is uh
0: is Red Baron Racing is that a one series? I don't know much. About, is that a two that's series?
1: Like, that's like an M two. Okay, that's what I thought. That car is dope. Probably my favorite car in Pro 2. Brockaway's uh, program and everything is super, super sick. Uh, it is a HGK uh, carbon Kevlar body kit. So if you want to talk pricing, it's it's quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just a roller chassis like his, like that car built as a roller chassis. You're probably with the full body kit and everything, um, I don't know. You're probably 100, 150 grand with no with nothing in it. Maybe yeah, for, more.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah I, mean, I they,
0: remember his E30s. So.
1: Yeah, they probably have quite a bit of money, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying like when I looked at it, it was the dopest car I've ever seen. Twin turbo, like seven liter or something. I mean, it's it's built to the max. It is super cool. Very dope build uh like titanium retainers like all titanium stuff on it nuts and bolts like it's it's cool it is super cool that's nuts so all
0: right right, man it's uh we're getting a little it's getting a little late here
1: oh sorry but yeah no we're still sending same chassis i love the e 36 and they're very affordable to replace
0: yes especially if you pick is the your shit your um The hell is your other car called? <laughs>
1: oh, Send It, Sally.
0: Yeah, and that thing was like three hundred bucks.
1: No, I got it for a grand.
0: Oh well, and it was completely running, like no problems.
1: Yeah, it already had an angle kit on it too.
0: Holy shit! See, there you go. There's still there out there. And
1: it had like three, or it has it has four coilovers, but I think only three of them work. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's stock, completely stock. We legitimately did the ABS delete by pulling the fuse and welded the diff on it and it had an angle it had like just a generic angle kit on it and that's all it still has today
0: so it's like uh, it's a very low cost seat time car
1: that's why i built it yeah. i don't care the doors get bent like i have uh two guys flying in from drift suit america from uh uh, uh argentina and chile mm-hmm and they're coming out, and they're going to be driving Send it Sally in the next, like, they're staying with me for a month to oh, learn nice. about culture and driving and drifting out here because it's so different than out there.
0: Oh, awesome, dude.
1: And, yeah, they're they're going to be driving Send it Sally. I'll probably get another backup car for them to drive. And, I mean, yeah, it's, like, put it this way. Send was Sally was 1000 bucks. They have an E36 over there. A stock E36 non-M3 was, like, eleven grand.
0: Holy shit.
1: Because they don't get them over there. So they'll... They're like, man, I want to drive an E thirty six. I'm like, really? Like you wanna drive one of these things? Like they're cheap. Like I don't know, they're all over the place. <laughs> like, I bought mine for five hundred dollars and now it's a pro car.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But all right, man. It's getting I gotta I'm gonna have to cut it off. Oh, yeah. I gotta help the kid with homework.
1: Sorry, I apologize if we took so long.
0: No, man, I actually was I'm I'm glad it went this long. Sometimes uh the conversations are hard to keep going, believe it or not. Um, oh, well,
1: if you but ever need you. me to talk or chat more, I'm more than welcome to chat with you, man. Oh, I, we're
0: I definitely going to be know. bugging you soon. I'm pretty sure people will have more questions. Hopefully, we covered you know the basis of why I wanted to bring you on in the first place, just to go over like the Pro 2 thing for people that are going next year, and definitely kind of wanted to we did dabble in your Pro-Am, because I thought that was super important, the way you went about it. Uh, yeah. It brought I can... you the success of being able to do one year in Pro 2 and get your Pro license, so
1: something worked right
0: exactly
1: <laughs> two so. years in pro-am one year in pro two and uh going to pro one
0: yeah man and best of luck next year dude i uh, i'll be rooting for you man that's that's awesome dude
1: but thank you thank you I appreciate uh where can
0: people reach you sir
1: uh if they go to Rome cp on any of the platforms they can find me so like Rome cp on uh, instagram Rome cp on uh, facebook i think there's a Rome. Like uh, a Rome Charpentier page, athlete page as well on Instagram or I mean on uh, Facebook. So that was pretty cool. I think I have a Twitter page. Someone told me I do. I don't know how to use it. So please, if you hit me up on that and I don't respond, do not take it personal because I have no idea what I'm using or how to do it.
0: <laughs> I know I like, made one a while ago. I don't even have the app on my phone.
1: Yeah, I don't either. So please don't take a, uh, a Twitter tweet thing personal, whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Don't take any of that personal. Yeah, right. But yeah. You can hit me up on that. Um, Feel free to reach out anyway. I will do my best to always respond to anyone that has any questions on on chassis setup, on I don't know, spring rates, on whatever. And I'll just, I mean, I can only tell you from my point of view, but I'll do the best I possibly can to help you guys out. Because, I mean, three years ago, I was not even drifting to BMW. So it's been a long learning curve and a lot of people have helped me to get to where I'm at. So I'm very grateful for that.
0: Awesome, man. And thank you again. You have a good night, man.
1: Awesome. You have a wonderful night, too. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.